Welcome to this episode of Verse by Verse here on Better Equipped. I'm Cody Balch, and we've been journeying through the book of Ephesians. And so that's a book in the New Testament. And if you haven't been following along with us, we've already covered uh, all of chapter one, a good portion of chapter two. I want you to go back and check that out. Today we land or start in verse 11. We'll go through verse 22. And um, it's really Paul saying that through Jesus... He has brought peace to our hostility, and that's a really big deal, that he's made one new humanity, and and this is something that is such a huge blessing, because I imagine that most of you, maybe not all of you, but most of you are Gentiles. You're not Jewish by heritage, and so this is a big deal for us. I'm Gentile by heritage, not Jewish. So uh, this is a really big deal that we've been brought near and been given salvation, so Let's jump right in, uh, starting in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 2, and it says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now we'll pause there for a second. This is, this is really good news. Okay. So I know it's weird for us nowadays to, you know, use the word circumcision group and un- uncircumcision and, and those things. But these were uh, not just physical markers, although they were very literally, but they were also just uh, terms that recognized those who had the covenant and promise of God through Abraham and those who were God's chosen people through Abraham, the Hebrews, the Jews, and those who were not. And, and so, uh, it says that through Jesus, that, that we got to remember that before Jesus, we were separated from God. We were separated from his promise. We were separated from his presence. Um, and, and I I think it's important to, to note that just because you were a Jew, we see this when Jesus shows up, that just because you were uh, of lineage to, to Abraham, didn't mean that you loved and followed God or that you were uh, righteous in any way or that you were saved. Um, That is really for people, Old Testament, New Testament, who uh, faith is credited to them as righteousness. um, It's by their faith in God. Remember, Jesus is God. And so uh, it says that we were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Do you live and feel the hope of and the presence of God in your life? Do, do you have God? I assume, I don't want to assume this, but like, I kind of assume that because you've like clicked on a video that's a study of Ephesians, <clears throat> that, that most likely you believe in God, you love God, but, but do you have hope? Do you live with hope? How does it change your life? There are people just nowadays, back then, nowadays that live 
as though there's nothing to live for. There's nothing beyond this life. Get as much as you can while you can, because this is it. And when you die, that's the end of everything. And that is not what we believe as Christians, what we believe biblically. And he says that in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That, that this didn't just whimsically happen. That, that Jesus intentionally came to this earth to pay the price of our sin that stood against God and, and the wages of that sin was death. And he literally paid for it with his blood, with his life on the cross. That's so, that's like, that's something that we should not take lightly. That is so serious. That is so significant to us. He continues in verse 14. He says, for he himself is our peace. For Jesus himself is our peace. He is literally our peace. He doesn't just give us peace. He is our peace. There's not a way to find peace without finding Jesus first. It's only in Jesus, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups, the circumcision, uncircumcision, the Jews, the Gentiles, the Jews, the Greeks, it's all the same thing, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Let's pause there for a second, because uh, what we saw back when when Jesus showed up, was very, very uh, divided, hostile world between Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Samaritans, basically anyone outside of Jews, the Jews were against. And and then the, the courtyard of the temple, there was the outer courtyard, the inner courtyard, so on and so forth. So there was a wall there that divided even within the the Greek or the, the Gentile Jews, believers in God, they were not allowed to go beyond a certain point. There was a part of the wall that divided these two courtyards. And, and it said like, Hey, your blood is on your own head, Gentile. If you enter into this, because if, if you enter into here, we will kill you. And, and it will be your fault because you came into the place that only Jews are allowed. Well, then, then you fast forward. And, uh, just in, in recent history, You've got these, these walls literally running in places. Think of like the Berlin Wall, but in, in Jerusalem, you got these, these areas of the Jews, the Hebrew state, the Israel state, and the Palestinian state. And there's a wall right now, like today, a wall of dividing of hostility. And so you say, well, if that exists today, then did Jesus really, get, did he destroy it or not? And I'd say, well, he absolutely destroyed it spiritually. But we as humans love putting up walls. We love putting up walls and it's not just Jews and Gentiles. That's his context. That's what is important for us to understand as Gentiles, that we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. But, but how many walls get put up between people for so many silly reasons? I mean, all the reasons in society, we have so many things that we divide over. It's, it's insane. It really is insane. And so he says that, that spiritually, that you don't have to be a Jew, a, a descendant of Abraham in order to receive the promises of God. 
that, that what divided Jews and Gentiles has been destroyed, this dividing wall of hostility. And it says in verse 15, by setting aside in Jesus's flesh, in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose, okay, that's pretty important. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Uh, I think this, I love this language, a new humanity. Okay, because guess what? This humanity on this earth will be destroyed. It will die. Okay, we will, we will not live forever. This earth will not live forever. But God says a part of his promise, a piece of his promise is not just forgiveness, but a new creation, a new heavens and a new earth, a new sky, stars, earth, created by God to be for his people only to live forever with him in his presence. Like literally in his presence like walking around in his presence, talking with him in his presence, that kind of presence. And only the new humanity, the ones who have been made new by the blood of Christ, who have put their faith and trust in Jesus and what he's done, only the new humanity will get to dwell on the new heavens and new earth. I want to be a part of that. By, By God's grace through Jesus, I want to be a part of that. It says in verse 16, And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, the Jews, the Gentiles. He came and preached peace to both, to all. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. There's, there's, there's only one type of Christian. There's, there's lots of brands in the way we brand it, but there's only one Christian type of, type of Christian, and it's those who love and follow Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yes, through his grace, they're not perfect, but, but there's only one people of God. Just one, no matter where you're at in the world, no matter what, what, you know, if there's a name of a church on a sign or a certain tradition of believers, there's only one body of believers, the people of God, those who love and put their faith and trust in Jesus as Lord. That's it. We, we see it so differently, but there's only one for God. That's it. He says, In verse 19, consequently, okay, because of all this, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Okay, you're not just the people of God like citizens, although you are, but you're like family in his household. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. He says that you're the people of God who are being built into the household, into the dwelling of God's God's eternal dwelling, his household, his people, his kingdom. And he says that, first of all, it's the cornerstone of Jesus that allows the Jews, the Gentiles, 
that all of God's people to become one. Without that, you yank that cornerstone out and the whole thing crumbles. It's not peaceful anymore. It doesn't fit together. It doesn't make sense. It says, and this was built first with the cornerstone, but then the apostles and prophets, those very uh, special with special revelation, supernaturally given to them by God, gave us this teaching from God. We got the Old Testament, the New Testament, the prophets, the apostles, and it's all being built as a foundation that we then get to build our lives on that truth and that saving knowledge of Jesus. He says in verse 21, in him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The apostle Paul says in other places that we are God's temple, that the spirit of God dwells inside of us and that we are God's temple, that you don't have to go to Jerusalem to a temple that got torn down. It doesn't exist anymore. There's like a wailing wall, just like a, 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 a stone wall, but like you don't have to go to Jerusalem. We don't have to rebuild a temple, which some people think you need to rebuild a temple. A absolutely not. We are spiritually being built into the, the temple, the dwelling place of God. And we are the dwelling place of God individually as the spirit of God lives inside of each and every one of his people. That his peace gets to dwell in your heart. That you don't just get to kind of see it or experience it occasionally. That you get to live with it morning, noon, and night, awake or asleep. That you get to have the peace of Christ rule your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What a gift. And so when you think about our very, very divided world, as Christians, we cannot, we cannot live that way. And yes, we'll be in different places and we might gather in different ways or, or spaces or whatever. But listen, there is only one people of God. There is one new humanity there. We are citizens of heaven. We are citizens and family of God. And what a gift that is. Do you take that for granted? Do you get caught up in all the div division of this world and even within the people of God? Or, or do you just say, if you love Jesus and you follow Jesus, you and I are citizens together, that we are family together, that we are one new humanity by the blood of Jesus Christ. How amazing would it be? How should it be in such a divided world today that the people of God live unified and harmoniously? That, that, that we don't live with hostility, that we live with a deep love for one another, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourself. How impactful would that message be by the way we live and speak to the world around us? How, how countercultural, but in a beautiful way, like a light shining that, that people are drawn to in a way that say, what do you have? And I need that. Our world needs that. We get to be those, those lights, those cities on a hill, to be the ambassadors of this good news. That, that no matter who you are, no matter what nationality, no matter where you're from, no matter how old you are, no matter what you've done, that through faith in Jesus Christ, 
that hostility between us and God and us and one another can be destroyed. That is good news. That is such good news. And so I I hope that you'll join us as we start chapter three next. And I hope that this has been encouraging to you, that it's maybe shifted your paradigm to maybe remind you how we should be thinking and that you're filled with gratitude. I hope it better equips you to live the way that Christ calls you to live. I hope you'll join us soon as we start chapter three.